Hello and how is everybody doing this week? Welcome back to the Views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe out there. Back for another week of talking sports with you guys. Got a lot to get through this week. We got some NFL stuff to talk about. Coaches being hired. Playoffs are still going on. A couple jobs still opened up. We're going to talk about that. A couple NBA things. A couple MLB things as well. And of course, I think the thing, if if, if you've been following the podcast for as long as you have, you think the thing you want to hear me talk about is what I, I, I've already got a title in mind for it, for, for the podcast, what I'm going to name for it. It's going to be the Tennessee Happy Meal Violations Scandal, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to talk about that up at the top here. So this is going to be a doozy, everybody. This is uh it's been a crazy last few days for Tennessee fans just see, just seeing what's been going on. And we're going to talk about it up at the top, give my thoughts and maybe where I think things are heading right now. It's been a wild week, but let's get right into it. But before we get right into it, let's do some house cleaning. As always, if you heard at the top, Anchor is a sponsor for this podcast. Thanks to them for sponsoring this episode. Again, the best way to make a podcast. If you're looking to getting into making a podcast, if you've already started or you're looking to start, Anchor's a great place to do all that stuff and get your podcast up and going. You can follow us at Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Wherever you guys get your podcasts, whatever your preference is, you can find us on there. Be sure to subscribe. Keep up with the latest action coming from us. Subscribe, listen, and share with anybody you know. Share with friends, family, whoever you know. Be able to be sure to do all of that stuff. As far as the entertainment pod, there's a whole lot. There's stuff going on, but a lot of stuff that you know. I I think you know is past due covering and also with WandaVision coming out this past week I think we're looking at maybe not doing a weekly review of each episode I think me and Peter we've talked about doing a since there's around nine episodes this before this series do a mid-season review around after episode four five after those one of those drops have to look at scheduling for those, but as soon as as soon as that happens, we'll do a mid-season review of On Division so far. Give our thoughts on the first few episodes, and then we'll go right into some of our thoughts for how this how the rest of the series is going to go. Maybe we'll talk a little bit Marvel DC if any news comes out within these next couple weeks till those episodes drop. And maybe we'll talk a little about Falcon and Winter Soldier because that's going to be coming right up about a week. We get a week off after WandaVision is over. Then we jump right into the Falcon and Winter Soldier, the series that I've been looking forward to maybe the most since I, I, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you know why it looks really cool. (laughs) It looks really cool. It's going to be like a movie in a type of way. And I'm really excited for that, but. Who knows? We'll talk about that. Any other stuff that pops up in between now and then. And yeah, it should be a fun time. So let's get on into the podcast. And again, guys, we're going to start off at the top with, again, what I'm calling 
the Tennessee Happy Meal violations. Oh boy. All right, where to start? So the timeline has been since around towards the end of the season that Tennessee was doing an investigation into potential violations that they may have committed, that coaches may have committed. Eric Gray set out the last game of the season because it was thought that he, he may have had some involvement in it, maybe taking benefits and stuff like that. And this has been an ongoing thing since the season has ended for Tennessee for around a month now where they've been investigating this and seeing what's been going on. A lot of job security has been up in the air for Pruitt and for lots of coaches for Tennessee. And then you get the news on Monday that is an absolute hammer that Tennessee has fired Jeremy Pruitt, Shelton Felton, one of their assistant coaches, and Brian Niedermeyer, another assistant coach, along with seven other people that worked on the football staff, whether quality control or stuff like that. So 10 coaches, 10 people that worked on the football staff on Monday were officially let go. We got some more details into the investigation. I'm assuming the NCAA still got some stuff they want to look into. But as far as the investigation is concerned, multiple level one and level two violations were found. And that in level one is about as bad as you can get. Talk, and I, I believe there's, I'm, there may have been some other stuff that I may have missed, but Chancellor, the president of Tennessee, doubled down and said, this is heinous, this is awful. And of course, Fulmer was there. And I think the shocker was Fulmer, I, maybe not shocker to a lot of Tennessee fans, maybe to only a, a handful, but that Fulmer was retiring. However, if you've seen last couple of days the reports come out it seems like Fulmer's going to get paid a little bit here so technically that isn't firing that's technically or technically not retiring that's technically you know hey we're firing you and we're looking for another direction at AD and Fulmer wasn't always going to be the AD he even said so himself I don't know how much I believe that but either way that's one of the things he mentioned at his press conference and they also talked about the Pruitt era and that was kind of an awkward moment there about how he'd be remembered. It's like the recruiting was good. And of course he say that when potential recruiting violations are brought up. And then within the last 24 hours, you've seen a lot of Tennessee's star players, really. Or players that may, I think, may be connected to this Scandal right now that's going on. Henry Toto, Eric Gray, Jameer Johnson, Quiveris Crouch. They all have entered the transfer portal. And I think just because they've entered the transfer portal, that might not mean that they can't come back. But I do think if this is, if they're directly involved in potentially receiving benefits, that would make them ineligible to play at Tennessee and I think probably anywhere else where that might be a concern for them to look out for. But Tennessee loses some of those players to the transfer portal. 
and Kevin Steele is announced as acting head coach as of now. And Tennessee is on a AD and head coaching search. We were here three years ago doing this whole, whole thing. And now, three years later, we're back again do, doing this whole thing. So, I kind of think, and this has been a theory, and I feel like this is this is a prevailing theory, and I know some people are wondering, why would you do this to get out of a $12 million buyout when you can find a way to pay that money easily? Is that maybe Tennessee was looking for a way to get get out of the whole Pruitt situation. It's finding a way to get out of his contract, not having to worry about paying his buyout, and also the product on the field was not good. And all, all the stuff I've been reading, message boards, articles, all this stuff, you know, I don't know if he necessarily made any friends at Tennessee, maybe some enemies or something like that. I know it was mentioned that somebody in somebody in Tennessee's, I forget whether it was recruiting department or something, but somebody let something slip. And my thinking is, if Tennessee is is a ten win team, or let's say because you know there's. You know, around 10 games this year. Let's say they win 7, 8, or 9. Somewhere around there. Does this get out? Now, we know... Now, now listen. We, we, we know Alabama is involved in some form of cheating. Let, let's be honest about it here. I mean, they are... Georgia somehow is... Almost every team has cheated or is cheating right now, but they find a way to you know cover it up, handle it, not let it be known. If Tennessee was a seven, eight, or nine win team, this maybe doesn't get out because success really covers this type of thing from happening. However, if you're losing and if you're not well liked and things are not going right. Something like this could happen where he's like, hey, hey, we cheated. We're telling on ourselves, guys. We cheated. And, uh, yeah, our, our coach, you know, didn't oversee any of this stuff going on. He says he maybe didn't know. But, in fact, it looks like he did. So, hey, we're going to try to find a way to get rid of him. We're going to try to find a way to clean house. We're going to do our due diligence on this and try to investigate this as swiftly and decisively as we can and handle handle it swiftly and decisively as we can as well. And the prevailing thought here over the last couple of days is coming from Dan Patrick's show was that one of the ways Tennessee paid its players was through handing them money through McDonald's Happy Meal bags, I tweeted this out. You, you, this is you know this is, seems like the type of thing that you know you know the saying you can't make this type of crap up. And this seems like the type of thing that you would make up. What's well, actually real? This is just hilarious. But 
as far as far as my thinking about was this intentional or not, part of me thinks it was, and also part of me thinks if Tennessee was winning, this would never come to light. But also, there's another part of me that's thinking, you know, where did Pruitt actually learn some of this stuff? Where did Niedermeyer learn some of this stuff? You guys know where they they left, right? You guys know their last employers, right? Uh-huh. So it's people down in Tuscaloosa. Where do you think the, where do you think those guys learned it from? If there's anybody else on out that those ten people that got fired, if they were if they came from Bam, where maybe they learned some of these methods, where do you think they learned them from? Hmm. It makes you think. Now, as far as Tennessee getting hammered, look, I, this goes into a whole other thing with that. The sports media really hammering us, saying, oh, you know, Tennessee's going to get it bad. We're like, when has the NCAA really dropped the hammer on anybody? When did they really drop the hammer on anybody? Like, I feel like people are acting like Tennessee's going to get the death penalty. Which, I, it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, Look, I, it's not going to happen. And yeah, this is not a good look. This is tough, but come on. Let's let's be honest with ourselves. There are colleges that are cheating out there right now. They might not be having the same methods, like handing stuff out in McDonald's bags. They may be handing stuff out in Burger King's bags. But uh, <laughs> I just don't see them maybe getting as hammered as people think that they are. You know, this this really goes back to the whole thing with Shiano and all, it really like everybody's take, just taking a swing at Tennessee saying, huh, Shiano would have looked a whole lot better. Like, and, you know, saying this is the fans' fault. This is in no way the fans' fault. You can pro- say it's the university's fault. And you can definitely say it's Pruitt's fault for <laughs> not really doing a good job of covering this up and for doing all this. So, I don't think Tennessee's going to be hit hard with any big-time sanctions. I think it's probably going to be maybe a bowl ban for a year or two, some scholarship reductions for anywhere from two to three years probably. And I think that's it. But there is that thing where, you know, it, if you just say screw off to the NCAA, I mean, that's what Will Wade did, where they literally have them on a wiretap, basically admitting to paying players, telling them to screw off, and it's like nothing's happening and he's still coaching. And it's either lie, lie, deny, tell them to screw off, and like, you're fine. But if you report something yourself, they're going to look into it, and that might cause a little bit more trouble. However... Tennessee went, went and did its due diligence on this. They did a thorough investigation. They cleaned house of anybody that was involved. And I know some people are thinking that firing 10 people, that it may have gone a little bit more deeper than that. And I feel like... I I know I read something from somebody that has Tennessee connections that said, hey, some of these people that were involved were kids that were working there that got fired. Some of them were... 
and they were just mm, said to do what they were told and say certain things, and that was it. But we won't really know until a little bit more comes out. I'm assuming this investigation, we're still not done finding stuff out about it. But if Tennessee does get hit hard with sanctions, my game plan, go and tell on everybody else. Yeah, nobody likes a snitch. But if you're Tennessee, screw it. Try to take down as many people as you can. Because you got people that have worked at Bama, people that have worked at Georgia, and some other schools. They know they, they probably know something. They, they probably know something that's going on there that is shady. Like, hey, even, even if the NCAA doesn't do anything about it, let's just put them on notice a little bit. Let's just mention some of the things that they may have done. Just say, hey, Alabama's done so uh, done this with so-and-so. Georgia's done this with so-and-so. You know, maybe they don't look at it, look at it but, like, just keep an eye on it for uh, for future references, you know. So, Tennessee does get hard. Maybe try to take down a lot of these programs with you. Like, listen, Bama's not going to get hit. Georgia's not going to be hit. Does the NCAA really want to go down this road of finding some more stuff out? Probably not. And I don't want to hurt the cash cows. But if you can just put them on notice, I think that's fine. So, now Tennessee is in look for a new AD and uh, for a new head coach. And I know people have also said that these sanctions are going to hurt people. But I still... Uh, Bruce Feldman says as much as that Tennessee is still somewhat of a desirable job. And I, I, I think it is, although you're going to have to work with a whole lot of difficult stuff going on there with this looming investigation, all the stuff going on with some players leaving because they were involved, all that stuff. So my thinking, you hire an AD first and then you go after head coach, not the other way around. It's like the same thing with in the NFL. You don't hire a head coach first and then go get your GM. No, you get the general manager in there first if you need one. And then you go hire the head coach. And you have the GM lead that search. So that's the same way here. AD, get that in place. Then find a head coach. As far as ADs are concerned, I think they're looking at moving fast on that. And maybe trying to get that in place where and then they conduct their coaching search. I do think they have a clear plan of what they want to do as far as the search is, which they didn't last time, really. <laughs> Not really. They were going through a whole bunch of other stuff through during the last coaching search. And they are now a lot of more serious stuff, but it seems like they got a plan. And that's my big and that was my big issue with 2017. No really not really much of a plan in place. There's a plan in place, I think. Hiring the AD really quickly. ID a couple of targets that you want to hire. Get them in place. And then go out and find, and find your next head football coach. Now, there's a couple names out there that have been mentioned. Is he freeze off the table? He probably is. Could Tom Herman be a possibility? Maybe. I mean, as far as Tennessee is concerned, they did well with another... Texas cast away with Rick Barnes 
that seems to be doing fine. So maybe you try hope it goes good again. You know, go get lucky twice here with that type of hire. Uh, Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina. He's got Tennessee in ties. Crap, he named his son after Heath Schuler for crying out loud. And I believe there was like a recent interview he did where he kind of talked about Tennessee and all that stuff. So maybe that's the route you go with. Maybe Billy Napier from Louisiana. Maybe you hire him. I know he's a Tennessee kid. There's several other names out there. Could you snatch Bill O'Brien away from Bama from the OC job? Maybe. I know there's been some Jeff Fisher talk. (laughs) But, you know, I think... If they don't get a big name, then I think you got to go for stability. I think that's the big step that Tennessee's been missing. They've always tried to skip that one step and say, hey, let's get from where we are now to like, oh, hey... We're a top program again. I think after everything Tennessee has been through, you're going to have to go find a way to be stable, find some consistency, and just have that for a few years. And then you can then go and try to find that leap. Maybe the coach you hired does make that program a stable place where top-flight coaches would be, feel comfortable going there and find success there to where that program's in a good place, a top coach comes there, and then you take that leap and you, be, you become the program you've always thought that you should be. So if Tennessee's going to go make a hire, I think if they go get a guy like, I don't know what would be a top guy, maybe like Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, out there on the on the market, then uh, then good. Maybe Bob Stoops or something like that. Maybe get him out of retirement. I think that one's highly unlikely. But if you get someone like him or top guy right now, great. That shows how deeply committed you are to winning. But if you don't and you just need a guy to say, hey, we need a guy in here that that is a good coach, but will offer stability consistency for a period of time where we really need it and then we can go get a big guy if if the coach they hire does well so i think look for a coach that will bring some stability consistency because that's one thing tennessee hasn't had that's the one thing they need before they i think they can take the leap up to being a top program again find uh, find those two elements and then i think the next step is to be a top program again. Restore that legacy, that tradition of Tennessee football back into where you're consistently competing in the SEC East every and every once in a while competing for an SEC championship and actually playing tough against Alabama. So I think that's the next step. This ought to be interesting. And like I said, I think the, the, the people of Tennessee, they have a plan in place. They want to get the this AD search done quickly, and then they're going to go out and find their next head coach. As far as Jeremy Pruitt is concerned, my goodness, like he's not going to be coaching for a while. He might actually go down as the worst coach of all these guys since Fulmer was let go. 
he might be the he's he's worse than Butch. Now I like making fun of Butch because of like what he did at Batman and all of his gimmicks and stuff. But statistically, you look at it, Pruitt was a far worse coach than Butch. You know, a couple of those Butch years were fun. Lately here, the Pruitt years have not been fun. So, as far as these last four four coaches that Tennessee has had between Kiffin, between Derek Dooley, between Butch Jones, and between him, Pruitt's probably the worst. But uh, anyway, that's some of my thoughts on the Tennessee stuff that's going on with, uh, with them giving out Happy Meals. I know a lot of memes have been made about that already, and uh, I've... I will probably take part in them as well because, let's be honest, they're, they're too funny not to take part of, even if you're a ten, hard, hardcore Tennessee fan. I mean, it's just not. you got to make fun of it. you got to poke some fun somewhere with everything that's going on. So that's where we're going to leave that topic for today. And who knows, maybe a week from now, Tennessee will figure it out who their next AD is, and they'll figure out they'll, they'll be – in the process of trying to figure out who their next head coach is. Maybe they'll have both in place. Maybe they won't have either in place. I mean, again, this is the University of Tennessee. And we know how these types of things work there. So that's where we're going to leave this topic for today, everybody. All right, let's hit a couple of stuff with MLB, NBA, and then we'll go right into NFL with everything that's happened with coaching hires and with the playoffs. Starting off with MLB, you had a couple big offseason moves go down. Padres get another. They get basically. Peter is all up in. <laughs> as, as far as you need to know, Peter's all up in arms because the Pirates made another dumb deal. The Padres capitalize on it. Now the Padres have acquired three pretty good pitchers here this offseason. They're really trying to make a run here at a World Series title. And Peter's all up in arms about it because the Pirates again. Find a way to screw up. If there's one thing that's consistent from 2020, 2021 with every other year, so the Pirates are still making stupid moves and Tennessee doesn't know what the crap it's doing. So, glad to see those two things are still saying the same. Even through everything that's been going on, all the weirdness that's been going on over the last year. George Springer going from the Astros to the Blue Jays. Talk about a big name going to the Blue Jays. That should really help them. You add him to Vlad Jr. to the to the Biggio kid. You have some nice pieces up there in Toronto. I don't know if you're going to be able to compete with a Yankees team up there, right? With a Rays team. Who knows? Maybe they will. But uh, certainly Springer is an impact player that they steal away from a team in the AL. And with the Astros, you you lose a big impact guy up the top of your lineup. That's obviously a concern. How are you going to replace that production? What's going to happen with some other players maybe down the road with Springer leaving? Does this set off a domino effect? Maybe does Kraya leave? We'll see. And then, of course, there's the, the unfortunate story going on with the MLB and the Mets. Like, I'm not – I can't discuss it. It's awful – it's not good. I don't think it needs to be discussed here. It's just awful. And glad the guy's gone. And that's where we're going to leave it off at that. NBA stuff. James Harden. Coming from Brooklyn Nets. First few, couple games. Really good. And you know, I've always wondered 
And I'm pretty sure Charles, our resident OKC fan who we have here all time to time, has probably wondered this as well. What would a James Harden and Kevin Durant duo look like? And I think I discussed a little bit about this last week, that I wondered about this as well. And so far, it's looked pretty good. It's looked pretty good. And of course, Kyrie comes back last night. And the Nets give up a whole lot of points. While Colin Sexton just goes off. Like, Colin Sexton's had a really good year for the Cavaliers. He might be working himself into an all-star spot this season. But uh, Kyrie's coming back. It'll be interesting to see how they all work out. And speaking of stuff about that trade, Karis LeVert, found a sm- and they found a small mass on his kidney. And he echoed the sentiments I think everybody's agreeing with. I'm really glad this trade happened because it probably saved saved my life. And I think it did. I think it saved his life along with several other people that if this trade doesn't happen, who knows? We might not never know about this. He might never know about this and it could lead to something really bad later on. So this is, I, I know I mentioned it was a good trade for Levert going to the Pacers NBA wise, but for his overall life, really good for him as well. And finding out about this and, you know, moving forward and finding a way to fight this. Because again, if this doesn't get found out, bad things would have happened. So, I'm, I'm really sure he's extra glad that this trade really happened too. That he had a physical, they found this out. And hopefully he gets through, have a speedy recovery. Again, glad this is found out and they find a way to fight this, to beat this, to get rid of it, and that he's back on the court sooner rather than la- sooner rather than later because he is a talent on the court. This guy can get buckets, and I know the Pacers would really like to have him now, but either way, it, they're going to wait a while, but there's worse things that could happen. So, again, hope he gets through at all the best to Karis LeVert and trying to Beat this, fight it, get rid of it. All right, moving on. Let's talk some NFL. That's probably going where we're going to spend the rest of our time on the show today. Of course, we got a lot of stuff going on. We got playoffs. We got GM decisions being made, coaching decisions being made. So let's get right into it. So let's talk about the coaching stuff first. Let's get right on into that. Because we now have had five of the jobs filled up. We still got a couple left. We still got the Eagles. We still got the Texans. Both those teams are still interviewing coaching prospects. So we'll have to wait and see on those. But we do have five coaches Five new coaches in the NFL locked up. And let's go with the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, hiring Urban Meyer. And this was getting really close to being done last week. And it was done not shortly after the pod came out last week. He's now the new coach of the Jaguars. He'll probably get a chance to coach Trevor Lawrence. And he's going to get a lot of cap space as well to go with that. So, 
for the Jaguars. You get a really good coach, but you do have to wonder how much the health factor is an issue because it's been a factor at his other stops before at Florida and Ohio State. And also no head coach, no experience in the NFL. And that's obviously going to be a concern for Jags fans is how long is he going to be there. But if you're the Jags, you get a really good coach here, a guy that that knows how to coach players, especially some of the younger players since he's recruited some of these guys. So he's going to get a really good chance here in this upcoming offseason with that number one pick, which will become Trevor Lawrence most likely. And a lot of cap space to work with. I forget what the cap number was. I think it was like 60, 70 million or something like that over that number. Since in some insane number. Or might even be like in the 50s. But either either way, still, that's a whole lot of cap space to work with uh, for Urban Meyer. But Jack's hiring him. I like it. But the health stuff is going to be an issue that's going to have to be addressed and see if he can... Find a way to maybe overcome that. Let's go to Detroit. Let's go with probably the most recent one. And let's talk about them and their new coach, Dan Campbell. Previously, the Saints assistant head coach and tight ends coach for the last four or five years. So let's talk about it. Um, He's never been a coordinator. But... He's done the respect of a lot of players, especially in that Saints organization. Even play, He was a former player. He even played at Detroit for three seasons after playing 10 NFL seasons combined. So he does somewhat understand the Lions franchise in a way. And he was also the interim head coach of the Miami Dolphins in 2015 and in that in that season they got off to a one and four start and led them to a five and seven record in 12 games after that start so that's not that's not bad that's not bad for him and that was before he goes to the saints and he and he becomes the assistant head coach and tight ends coach and so i'm really interested interested to see what he's going to bring Having no previous coordinator experience. It does seem like this is an anti-Matt Patricia hire. Who will command the locker room. Get his players to play hard week in and week out. Because the environment from what I've read with Matt Patricia. Is not, was not really that good. All that good. And he's going to demand the most out of his players. He's going to get them to play hard. Each and every game. They might, be over, they might not have talent. But... They're going to try to outwork the other team. Sometimes that works, and sometimes that doesn't. If any of it doesn't, sometimes the game ends up being a little bit closer than originally thought. So, I like to hire you. Hire a guy from the Saints organization, or from an organization that has been a a winner for several years, and he was a part of it here these last few years with that offense, and so. It'll be interesting to see how he does. But again, he knows Detroit after spending a little bit of time there. Obviously, being around Sean Payne doesn't hurt. So, I'm interested to see what he brings to Detroit and see if there's a little bit of uh, change in culture over there compared to what 
and Matt Patricia bought and brought over there. Let's go with the Chargers. This one was a little bit of a shocker because it seemed like all the noise was trending towards Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. And that's what I was thinking. You know, it makes sense. Dayball coaching a big, strong quarterback and Josh Allen going over there coaching a big, strong quarterback in Justin Herbert to try to help with his maturation and with him becoming a top-flight quarterback in this league over a short amount of time, just like he has with Josh Allen. The Chargers go in a different direction. Brandon Staley, the Rams' defensive coordinator, who's had a quick and strong rise through through the ranks. Five years ago, he was coaching in Division Three, and he's only 38 years old. Only four total seasons of NFL head coaching experience. Uh, NFL coaching experience. Only one year of coaching defense. And he does that with the Rams, and he did a really good job of it too. It's just that, you know this game against the Packers. It's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what else do you want to know? He'd only been an outside linebackers coach prior to that, but he also was a former quarterback in his younger years and when he was in college and stuff like that. So he does have somewhat of a understanding. And from what I've read, he's kind of like the defensive, kind of opposite Sean McVay on the defensive side, where Sean McVay really understands the defense and how to exploit that, where Staley really knows really how to, you know, on, on you know take the opposite of that, that he really knows what offense wants to do against his defense and he really knows what a quarterback wants to do against his defense. And so that I think that will benefit him. He's going to be staying in the Los Angeles area. And, I mean, hey, listen, no short order. He, he came in and replaces a legend in Wade Phillips. And in his first season, they ranked number six in defense in his first season. That's not bad. That's pretty good. And with him going to the Chargers, look, you got some good defensive pieces there. Obviously got Joey Bosa over there. You got Jerry Tillery. Hopefully he's a guy that Staley can get the most out of on that defense. You got a young, exciting linebacker in Kenneth Murray. And then he got an awesome chess piece in Derwin James there at safety. Get him back healthy. But obviously the most important thing is the offensive coordinator hire. And how's that going to help Justin Herbert's maturation process? Of course, he was really good this year. What's he going to do to take that next step? Who's he going to hire to help him take that next step? So... With that being said, I actually don't mind the hire. You know, Dayball probably would have been a better fit, but with Staley, there's a lot there to be excited about on the defensive side and on the offensive side. Again, he was a former quarterback in high school when he played a little bit in college. So, I mean, he knows the position. And, again, I think he's going to be the opposite of Sean McVay where he's going to be a guy that a really good defensive mind but that's because of his understanding of offense and where he where he would use his defense to 
stop the offense and what works and what doesn't against defense for him. So I think that'll be an interesting hire to see what he does there with Herbert there. But uh, talk about a rise there that uh, he's had here with only four years of NFL coaching experience. Next up, New York Jets hiring Robert Sala, who has been rumored for a while now to be getting a job in the NFL, who's been interviewing like crazy over the last couple years. Hasn't worked out for him. He now is going to be the head coach of the New York Jets, and boy, the Jets have got a lot of decisions to make there. Listen, Salah's an intense type of guy, another defense type of coach. And it's probably going to be a completely different, it's a different switch from Adam Gase, who is, for Gase's, you know, a highly thought of offensive mind supposedly coming in. A little bit weird, quirky, and stuff like that. Salah's a little bit different. Complete change from that. And, you know, you might be saying, like, why aren't we going with an offensive coach here with how the NFL has been trending? Well, I think with what Sala does is that he, again, this guy's a complete 180 from Gase. I think he's going to be a lot more of a leader for that Jets team where he's going to set up a culture there where they are going to play hard. They're going to play sound football, and they're going to be a tough team to beat. Whether they win or lose, it doesn't matter. They're going to be a tough team to beat. And he's bringing Mike LaFleur, the brother of Matt LaFleur, in to be his offensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if he still sees anything from his brother. But we'll have to see. But I really like this hire for the Jets. It's complete change from the previous regime and uh of course the big thing is is seeing what his plans are with sam darnold will they want to keep him will they want to move him and draft to qb at two so it'll be interesting to see but i really like this hire for the jets can't say too much good for the jets here over the last few years but talking about something good happening now so good hire from the jets and the last one, it's a little bit close to home. Arthur Smith leaving the Titans to become the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. I really like this fit for Arthur for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, of course, you're not going to have a Derrick Henry type of running back in Atlanta. So, obviously, some some of the offensive scheme for Arthur is going to be changed up there, given that what's at Atlanta. But I really like this hire for Matt Ryan with what he's done with Ryan Tannehill over the last season and a half. has been nothing short of extraordinary. And I'm really interested to see what he, if he's going to bring some of the types of schemes and game plans that he had at Tennessee over to Atlanta, even with no Derrick Henry. You know, that's going to be a thing to watch and see who Atlanta drafts. Will they want to draft a quarterback to draft the next heir apparent for Matt Ryan, or will they feel comfortable with him at QB and with address other pieces of that team, whether it's defense, whether you know, whether it's offensive line, you know, whether it's giving Matt Ryan another weapon or something like that. We'll see, but I really like this fit for Arthur Smith and for the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, 
I think Matt Ryan is going to really like this guy. He's going to really like the offense that he's going to have next season with Arthur Smith and with his game plan and getting the running back in there. And you can do a lot of stuff. It doesn't matter if it, if it's Derrick Henry or if it's a guy like Dalvin Cook or if it's Zeke or Kamara or whoever else. You get an impact running back back there, that can change a whole lot of stuff there for the Atlanta Falcons team. That's something they missed out on for a while. They've got the guys at wide receiver, Julio, Calvin Ridley, who made a really good leap this year. So we'll see. But I really like this hire for the Atlanta Falcons as well. I actually don't mind all the hires at all. Like I think there's a little bit of good in all, all these hires. I mean, it, sure, you can nitpick as much as you want, but I think they're... There's some hires in here that are, pre- that are pretty good. That they they bring some good qualities, and and their new head coaching spots. So it'll be interesting to see who the Texans and Eagles hire next. And I'm assuming by the time we do the pod next week that the, those two organizations will have new head coaches in place, and we'll have to see uh who they are. I no real clear picture on who they're going to hire as far as my knowledge. So we're going to have to see and uh, wait and see who fills those two spots in and if Sean Watson's going to like the new head man in Houston or not. But to be honest, at this point, I don't think it's going to matter. I think he wants out. But uh, we'll see. And maybe it happens next week. So final order of business, let's talk about the playoffs here and talk about the divisional round last week. Let's start off at Lambeau, Green Bay, and the Rams. Aaron Donald did not play as much in this game. And Aaron Rodgers has had himself a game. 23-36, 296, and two touchdowns. That Packers defense came to play. And now the Packers, they're moving on to the AFC champion to the NFC Championship game. First time that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers will have ever hosted an NFC Championship game with him as quarterback. It's wild to think about. So now they move on, and they're going to be having a game there at Lambeau that's going to be really cold. It's going to be 24 degrees or something like that. Maybe there's going to be snow. I mean, it's Wisconsin, it's Green Bay, it's Lambeau. Anything can happen. Buffalo, Baltimore. I hope Lamar gets better after having a really bad concussion there towards... uh, the end of the game, at the end of that third quarter. Hope he gets better. You know, at least he got his playoff win. We'll say that. At least he got his playoff win. But the but the Bills came in, strong defense. Not a huge spectacular game from Josh Allen, but enough to do what needed to be done. Really, really key play by Taron Johnson there with that huge pick six where it looked like Baltimore was about to score. And, you know, it... It could have swung the game if Baltimore scored there. It was 10-3. to Baltimore scores a touchdown there. The game is tied. But Taron Johnson, key play there, changing the direction of the game. Bills winning by 14, 17-3. And they're moving on to the AFC Championship game. Sunday, the Chiefs and the Browns. And the Browns... They gave it their all. They gave this game their all. Baker Mayfield, Chubb, 
Respect to those guys. Mahomes goes out. And you're like, oh crap. Is this going to be the game changer here? Is he going to come back? Is he not going to play? They're going to have to put in Chad Henney. Does that mean Cleveland might actually win this? And there's a brief moment of that. Then Chad Henney comes in and makes two extraordinary plays. Where he scrambles and I thought he got the first down to be honest. I thought like, that's the first down. This game is over. Like, nope. Only, and, <laughs> and Romo's just sitting there going nuts when this call's being made. With Andy Reid, sprint rollout, finds Tyreek Hill. Tyreek stays in bounds. Game is over. Talk about Andy Reid having some big time guts. Like, my goodness. But the Chiefs, they win 22 to 17. And you don't know if Mahomes is going to go this week or not. For Chiefs' sake, you better hope Mahomes goes this week against Buffalo. Because I don't know if you want to depend on Chad Henney to go and beat Buffalo in the AFC Championship game and face off against Josh Allen. I, I just don't think you do. But, you know, Chiefs, they're moving on. But props to the Browns for having a good season. These aren't the same old Browns anymore, I don't think. They proved a whole lot over these last couple games, especially through this whole season. And uh, I think bright stuff is going to be happening there with Cleveland now. I think maybe they've finally turned a corner and they found a style that works for them, works for Baker, and uh, they're going to be pretty good moving forward. Final game, Buccaneers at Saints. Of course, it's always hard to win that third game against a team you've already been twice in the regular season. It happens again. Buccaneers win 30-20. Make a couple key defensive plays there with that Tampa defense. And this is what's looking like the final game for Drew Brees. And you just if you've seen the post his wife had on Instagram about what all he's been through, like the, the guy's been through a whole lot this year injury-wise. Like you, It's probably easier to make a list of what he didn't have hurt, to be honest. But this is probably the end of the road for him. Saints got a decision on what they want to do at quarterback now for the future. But uh, Breeze, just tip of the cap to him. Like, great career. It sucks that he only got one Super Bowl out of it. But for him, I'm sure he's glad he just, he, he's got at least one. And that he doesn't have, and that he's not like Phillip Rivers there and doesn't have one. But... Saints, their season's done. Drew, Drew Brees' career looks like it's done. And Tampa, Tom Brady's bringing them back to Lambeau where we get a rematch of a game earlier this year at Tampa for the NFC Championship game. And speaking of Phillip Rivers, he's done as well. Good career by him as well. Of course, he's always going to be connected with that Eli draft day trade that they had with Hill, Eli, and Big Ben and that same draft. And now Big Ben's coming up next, and I know Peters is anxiously, and he's anxiously waiting for that day to celebrate that Big Ben has done as the Steelers quarterback. So, Peter, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna have long, my friend. I don't think you're gonna have long. But Phelps Rivers, he's done, and you know me and Peter talked about is he gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Probably not, but he's gonna get into the Hall. I think he has to get into the Hall. But if he does get in the hall the first time with him and Drew Brees, 
Holy crap, talk about a quarterback class you're inducting right there. That's a good one. And if and we also briefly discussed, hey, if Tom wins this year, does he call it quits? Now I think Tom is gonna go as far as his body will let him, to be honest. And but I'll be real here, guys. I want him to retire. Just seeing him so out there makes me feel old. Seeing how many years he's still playing this game. Just go home, Tom. But if Tom wins it this year, there's that question of, hey, does Tom think about retiring? In that case, you know Tom's going to be first ballot. You know will, Drew will probably be first ballot. Maybe Philip Rivers might not be. But if all three of those guys go in at the same time together, talk about a great class. And not just QB class. Talk about a great class, period. Where you probably have the GOAT. Where you have Drew Brees, the guy that was a top five quarterback for a while. But even still, when he wasn't, he was still putting up gaudy numbers. And then Phillip Rivers, who barely missed a game, was a prime example of durability throughout the NFL. 240 straight uh, straight starts. Second most behind Brett Favre of all time. So if that happens, that's definitely a good class, regardless of if it's just QBs or not. But that's where we are this at this point this week. Let's move on and let's talk about the championship games. Again, this game at Lambeau, it's going to be freezing cold. It could be anywhere from 32 degrees to 24 degrees. I'm assuming it's probably going to be in the 20s. Because it wouldn't be an AFC Championship game at Lambeau, at Green Bay, if it wasn't that cold. And also, let's just add in a little bit of snow. Let's make let's make it intriguing. Let's make it fun. But the Buccaneers playing the Packers again a rematch of a game earlier earlier this season where the Packers took an early lead, and the Bucks just went out and just blew the doors off them after that. And so. This is going to be a really interesting game because you could have Aaron Rodgers going to a Super Bowl and try to get his second title. Or you can have Tom try to cement his legacy even further as the GOAT and potentially go to another Super Bowl and win a seventh one. So a lot of things are on the line here in this game. Especially with Tampa Bay because you also had that narrative with Tom like, hey, was this Bill or Tom? I think we know the answer now. But... I think Tom would want just more validation of that idea. That it was more of him than Bill. And for Aaron Rodgers, look, you don't know how many more of these chances you're going to get to get this close to the Super Bowl. I mean, again, this is his first NFC championship as the home team. All of them have been on the road. And so this might be his last good chance to get to the Super Bowl. And the Packers right now, they're favored by three. Well, man, let me tell you. This QB battle is going to be nuts. I got a feeling... I I, I got a feeling that Rodgers is going to show up. And that Brady... I think this Packers defense is, is, is pretty good. Even though the Bucks defense is probably even, even a little bit better as well. I feel like Tom's maybe going to have a game where it might be a little bit like against the Saints this past week where 
Not going to be huge passing stats. The Bucks are going to have to rely on their defense to create some chances right here. But with this Packers offense, it's tough, man. Like They got a lot of things going for them, even with Bakhtiari out. Best left tackle probably in the game, but they're still rolling. Aaron's still looking great. You know, I'll take Aaron here to beat Tom and get to the Super Bowl. Then we got Bills and Chiefs. Now, if Mahomes is playing and if he's feeling fine, I feel good about the Chiefs. But if he's not, I think a lot of people will be more willing to take the Bills in that case. Because you're not having, you're you don't have to be concerned about anything for the Bills as far as QB wise. For the Chiefs, maybe you have to change your game plan a little bit here. How much are you going to use Chad Henney? And Henney can't make the throws that Mahomes does. He can't make throws on the run like Mahomes does. And so you're losing an element there, and which the Bills can maybe get some pressure, and maybe force Henney into some bad throws if he does start. But if Mahomes start, like, look, talking about a battle between the two young guns and between the two uh, old guns with Rodgers and Brady and Allen and Mahomes, fun matchups for both these games. So if Mahomes plays, I will take the Chiefs. Right now the Chiefs are favored by three. But if Mahomes doesn't play, that really hurts the Chiefs' chance for me. And I think... Gotta go with the Bills. I think I'll have to. But I think everybody would want to see a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl because the two MVP candidates trying to outduel the other Mahomes, Rodgers, Mahomes trying to get a second in his early career, and Rodgers trying to find that elusive second Super Bowl title after so long. Been a long time since him winning his first. So Mahomes does play. I think the Chiefs will win. We'll get an awesome Super Bowl. That's not to say if the Bills win, we won't get an awesome Super Bowl because Josh Allen has made a case to be an MVP candidate himself. But this all be an exciting championship weekend for both these games with, of course, the NFC Championship coming on first, and we're going to get the AFC Championship later on in the day. So this will be an exciting day, and... It'll bring us one step closer to the Super Bowl and finding out who the eventual champion of this weird and crazy season. And speaking of the season, you know, maybe we could have saved this for after the Super Bowl and talk about the season in general. But props to everybody that has made the season a success to try to find a way to get through it, make everything work. No canceled games, no postponed games. He had some games move around some days a little bit. He had a couple teams get frustrated. But I think that was expected. And they found a way to pull off. And here we are at this point. Conference Championship weekend. And we're only a couple weeks away from the Super Bowl. Without really too much of a hitch. You've had some players test positive. You knew that was going to happen. But no game's been canceled. And so. The NFL's found a way. And uh, props to them. Got to give props to them. So that's where we'll end the pod this week, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys will enjoy these championship games that we got going on Sunday. Hope you guys will enjoy seeing the new big three in town in the NBA and hopefully 
you guys will join along the ride of this reality reality show that is the Tennessee Coaching Search 2021 edition. So buckle up, everybody. It's going to be a fun next few days. So thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys continue to do well. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you next time.